Today, I've got a very special episode with a very special guest. We are talking all about hormonal health as we age with Jen Pike. So pop in your earbuds, grab your cup of water or tea, and let's get started. Welcome to the Full Frontal Living Podcast. I'm Lisa Carpenter, master life coach to driven, ambitious humans who want more out of life without having to sacrifice themselves to achieve it. I'll share how it's possible to slow down, take better care of yourself, find more peace and ease, create sustainable energy, stop procrastination and overwhelm, and fall in love with your life, your business, and your body. This podcast is for you if you're ready to learn what it takes to thrive as a high performer, do less, but achieve more, make you and your well-being a top priority, and create your extraordinary life. I'm so glad you're here. Hey, hey, thanks for joining me again for another episode of the Full Frontal Living Podcast. I'm really excited today because I have my friend on, Jen Pike, who is an expert in all things hormones and women's health, especially as we age. And we are going to have a conversation that I believe really needs to be had. So if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know I've had uh, my ups and downs with my hormones as I've aged. I've talked a lot about burnout, uh, the impacts of taking care of ourselves versus not taking care of ourselves. And regardless of where you're at, your hormones are literally running your lives. But as women, we don't have a really solid understanding. I didn't have a really solid understanding of how impactful hormones are. So that's why I brought Jen on, because this is her zone of genius. And we wanted to talk about symptoms, what it looks like to really take care of ourselves, what it looks like to dismiss our bodies and not listen to what we're being told. We're going to talk about estrogen, progesterone, testosterone. We'll touch on all of that so that you guys can have an understanding of how they impact you, especially as you're aging. And God knows what else we're going to dive into. Implications from our past use, overuse of birth control. Anyways, Jen, before I go on anymore, please introduce yourself to everybody and let them know who you are and how you are helping people in the world. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you for having me on the show. I am really excited for this today. So my name is Jen Pike. I am a medical exercise specialist and a functional medicine diagnostic nutritionist. I specialize in women's health and hormones. And, you know, my early starting off was in the fitness industry. So I'm a strength and conditioning coach, and I've been an instructor since I was 17 and in the gym. And I worked a lot with athletes, which in the beginning I really loved because you could push them to a certain intensity and they would never say no, which was always really fun. But the thing I actually grew to love the most was I got to witness what it meant to be part of a community and a team because these athletes were part of communities and teams and they had all of the ingredients that created excellence. So they didn't just have me as a personal trainer, but they had a nutritionist, they had a chiropractor, they had like a mindset coach, all of those things. And so it was really fun and exciting in the beginning but I was working primarily with men. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I didn't have kids at the time, but I was part-time personal training at a gym where I grew up and I was mainly working with women. And there was such a vast difference in when I would go and train my male clients who I could literally deliver same intensity, frequency, everything to time and time again on repeat, no issue. And then with my female clients, I was always having to modify, modulate based on the day they lived that day, night of sleep before what where they were at in their cycle what was going on and i didn't have any children yet but then when i did have my kids i was like oh <laughs> oh okay <laughs> like now i i get it things definitely are very different i was you know 26 when i had my first and then 28 with my second and it was just a big shift and change in my body. And so I found myself less interested in training the men and much more interested in working with women and um I went really deep into that and started to also really recognize that exercise, while one of the most incredible levers that we can utilize on our health journey, not the only thing that we need to be focusing on. And so I really started to bring a lot of the nutrition component and then the hormonal piece. As soon as I started to dive into the endocrine system and understanding this in women, like that was it for me. I was like, oh my gosh, this is like the conductor, really the nervous system is. But what goes on with our hormones 
is so interconnected to everything else in terms of how we feel and what our symptoms are and our mood and our energy and you know even our motivation our commitment creative juices like all of those things and so i've dedicated the last 16 years now primarily to focusing on women's health and hormones and i still bring movement into it I run an online studio that's called synced, which is a little bit different than your average exercise studio because everything we do is teaching you how to move based on either the phase of your cycle that you're in or the lunar cycle. So we're supporting both menstruating and non menstruating women inside of that. And yeah, it's just it's a lot of fun. There's no boring days on the job. <laughs> There's, you know, I am a student always because every woman that I work with she is her own individual woman and she comes mm -hmm. with her own story and her own things and we run a lot of functional testing in my clinic so we're constantly learning and upgrading so that we can not just help women i really think that the way we help the most is we're educating and and then you're empowering that woman and that's really what we do that's amazing you and i have a very similar background because mm. i was you know i ran my own personal training business for years and then moved into nutrition and then you know took my business online we're also very similar because we're both very driven ambitious mm -hmm. we would consider ourselves like high achievers we got big goals big dreams which is also a little bit problematic because with that athletic mindset that you and i both have there is this ability to, to push when we shouldn't be pushing. Mm -hmm. And I know that I really got my ass handed to me when I went through a serious bout of adrenal fatigue and burnout. I know it's not really adrenal fatigue. That's just what we call it. Cause people identify with that. And that was kind of my first awakening to hormones and how my choices, how my life choices had impacted my body from overdoing, overworking, not getting enough sleep, even though I was in the health and fitness industry, I really wasn't taking care of myself emotionally. Mm -hmm. I would say I wasn't well, I hadn't done that inner work on myself. So I was caught in a lot of codependent behaviors, which as you know, are just as toxic as drinking a bottle of wine every night. Yeah. I believe you also went through burnout as well. Yeah. Didn't you? Oh yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think I went through burnout multiple times, but there was one time that was like it, I call it like it was the sliding door moment in time where, um, yeah, it was, I was running, I actually owned a brick and mortar for a period of time. So I had a, a yoga and Pilates and fitness boutique studio and I had, you know, multiple practitioners and we had hundreds of members and I was teaching 20 live classes a week and my children were really little. Like I was still nursing my youngest when I opened the studio and my husband had his own company and it was intense years. And, uh, you know, honestly it was intense years of, um, I was just really in a place of choosing to serve everyone and everything else except for myself. And the way that I did think I was serving myself was to train more, to train harder. I would teach these classes 20 times a week and I taught my classes. I didn't walk the friggin' room. I know I hear myself say it and I'm like, oh my God, poor you. I relate, I'm laughing because I'm like, this is my life, right? Like you're all in. All in, but all then in. I would also say to myself, well, that was their workout, that wasn't yours. So then I would carve out time to go and do my workout. So insane, like just insane. I think back and I look back at that version of me and I'm like, I am so sorry that I put you through that. However, however, um, when I had that last burnout, which was, the years keep getting blurred for me, but it was probably around 2012 in around there. It was about two years into me owning the studio. Um, it was literally, I had to make a decision. Either I'm gonna continue to go nowhere really fast. And, and, I, and I knew at that moment, I was like, wow, I'm like an inch away from actually getting really sick. Like intuitively, I know knew that. that, like, how did you know that? What intuitively, I knew my body was literally just screaming at me. Like you're an inch away from a thyroid illness. You're an inch away from chronic fatigue syndrome. You're an inch away from actually pushing away everybody you really do care about because um, my patience and my mood was so fucking prickly because I was just so spent because I was like giving her all to everyone in person. And, and I, you know, I owned a space, but then I was doing public events and I, and, and I loved it. Like, here's the thing is 
when I was in it, I frigging loved it. Like if someone said to me, sign the contract here and this is going to be your life for the next like seven years, I would have been like, give me a Sharpie. Like I will permanently sign it. I loved it. I still love what I do so much. But in that moment where I was literally on the couch, you know, had a fever and cried for four days, incapacitated, couldn't do anything. Um, and I kept having this like thought come through my mind where I just, if, and this had been building for a long time as I would always hear myself saying out loud, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. I'm so tired. And then my brain would be like, yeah, but you're not physically tired. Like my engine could keep going, but my soul was exhausted. And that was the difference for me is something happened in those four days on the couch. And, you know, it was like, it was impacting my whole family. Like my little kids were in front of me, like, you know, mommy, what's wrong? And like putting cloths on me and, and my hut, like, it was just, it was like a next level. What the hell am I doing? What am I doing? Because all that stuff, building the business, taking care of those other people, that isn't actually what mattered. What mattered was the people that were on the floor in front of me actually asking me to help myself. That's what it was. So I had to make a decision and literally everything changed for me at that point moving forward. And so what was interesting is that, you know, as I was working with more and more women coming out of that, I did very openly share about what I'd been feeling and what I had experiencing, which when you do that, opens up this beautiful opportunity. It's like what you do on your show for other women to come forward and share. And that was part of how I got stronger. And then I got to work in a very different way, like cut my movement in more than half. I remember I went down from 20 classes to eight and I was like, oh my God, how am I going to only teach eight classes a week? Like it felt painful in the beginning until it didn't. Now I think about teaching eight classes and I'm like, oh my God, there's no way that I would go and ever do that again. Um, but here's the other beautiful thing that happens is that as I started to deepen from myself and working with other women is that all these women in my life, they became these clients that became mirrors for me, where now it's like any time I start to feel myself kind of reverting back to that patterning and that conditioning, uh, I just, I really, I sit with that woman across the table who's in tears and describing how she's feeling and the one who does have the thyroid illness and has the different things going on. And I'm like, thank you universe, because I'm seeing what might happen if I don't actually take care of me. And I, and I think that's probably a great starting off point is like for women, what does that actually frigging mean? Like taking care of me? Yeah. For me, you know, when I went through my burnout, it was such a foreign concept like you, right? Doing all the things for all the people because I loved all of it. I loved all of it. Um, my symptoms were very physical. So I could not even roll over in bed without getting dizzy. Wow. And I remember I went to the doctor and he gave me pills for vertigo. And I was like, intuitively, I'm like, this is a fucking vertigo. Like, this is not vertigo. Like, I couldn't function. So that's what led me to my naturopathic doctor. And of course we did a bunch of testing. Well, I was getting dizzy because my cortisol was so low. I literally had like fried it out. Right. So I had to go on supplements for that. But I mean, I remember crying when I was told I needed to slow down and then I needed to slow down more because I'd cleared so much off my plate. And then it was like, well, Lisa, I think you need to slow down more. I've told mm -hmm. this story and I just like bawled my eyes out because the, the practitioner I was working with at the time told me I should take up swimming. And I'm like, swimming? That's not exercise? Like, what are you talking about, right? Like, I'm, I like to lift weights. I like to keep up with the boys, right? So it was yeah. devastating. Like my identity was so tied up in my doing and all the things I could do for everybody. And it was such a painful, so it wasn't just about healing my hormones, but it was about healing that relationship with myself so that I yeah, can, because it's when you're I'm I, bored. Yeah. When you're, I, I can definitely resonate with that. And, and it, it is like, you know, everybody in their life has this in some way. And it's where passion meets purpose is often where this is birthed, right? So like both of us so passionate about what we were doing and then found purpose in that. And, you know, you combine those two together and you have something pretty potent, but it's like, you know, I think we were talking about before this, like the, the frog in the boiling water, right? Like you don't realize the temperature is increasing and you're cooking until like your, your goose is cooked, like you're being served. Yeah. And 
you know, what's so hard is that it's actually the worst advice you can say to somebody when they're in an acute burnout phase like that is like, you need to slow down. Like they're just going to want to throw punch you because you're like that trauma, right? It is a hundred percent trauma because our, our identity is also tied to our self-worth. I was, I was hardwired to do. So to be told to slow down and not do, it was like, it felt chaotic to me, like slowing down felt chaotic because it was so dysregulating for my nervous system. Cause my nervous system was used to the chaos and all the doing. So it was really a fascinating, um, experience, which, you know, brings me to where I am today, right? Obviously I'm not in my thirties anymore. I just turned 50 and the past couple of years, I think we can say have been a bit of a gong show, mm-hmm, just That's a little. putting it mildly. So everybody's been impacted by it, regardless of your perspective on, you know, what's gone on. I know I was, even though I was taking what I consider really, really good care of myself. I know you take really good care of yourself as well, but that doesn't mean that we're not subject to our body constantly trying to regulate the stress. Mm -hmm. And I am very good at, most of my clients are really good at normalizing things that other people might think is high stress. And I'm like, no, I'm good. Like I'm taking care of myself. I'm getting my sleep. I'm drinking my water. I'm eating my food. And I had started to have a whole bunch of symptoms again, but I hadn't, I wasn't paying close attention to them. I was, but it was like, I was justifying why they were there. I was Mm -hmm. normalizing them, right? Like I had a lot of hair falling out again, but I'm like, oh, but I've heard that this is a side effect of COVID. And I'd had COVID, like who hasn't had COVID at this point, right? I'd had COVID. So maybe it's from that, not really thinking about it. I was really like low energy, foggy brain, couldn't focus. So then, because nowadays you and I were talking about this before we went live, there's such this it seems like everybody's got ADHD and I'm not saying people don't. Right. And I think I probably had it my whole life self-diagnosed of course. But so I was just like, Oh, maybe it's because I'm getting older and these symptoms of ADHD are like turning up never dawned on me that it could be my hormones again, because I've already been on HRT. I've been taking bioidentical hormones for a couple of years now, progesterone and estrogen, very, very low doses. It's never occurred to me that maybe they needed to be adjusted. So as I do, because it's part of how I care for myself, you know, always at my naturopath, not always, but I get regular tests done to see what's going on with me. And when the test landed in front of me and I saw where my hormone levels were at, even being on HRT, it was so humbling. Like I cried in the shower because it was just, I had no sex drive, my hair's falling out, foggy all the time, no motivation. I had no idea that low testosterone also impacted your dopamine levels. And without dopamine, there's like literally no life force in you um, because our dopamine's being taxed on a daily basis just with what we're living. So I would love for you to talk about estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, kind of give the basics of what women need to think about, look for. And the kind of the pros and cons of potentially like, how can you support yourself, whether it's naturally or whether it's going like a bioidentical route. So I just threw like 30 questions. At yeah. You. Yeah. No problem. So I'm just going to sit back yeah. and let you take <laughs> over. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's actually, it is starting from literally where you're starting from as the person who's listening. So for the women that are listening right now, you know, it is knowing like what your benchmark is. So what I would say is actually take kind of, you know, internal stock and inventory of things right now to ask yourself. Like if I were to ask you, how is your digestion? Like any gas, bloating, reflux? Do you have regular good quality bowel movements? You know, how is your sleep? Do you fall asleep easily, but you're waking up, especially between like one and four in the morning and you really can't get back to sleep. But when you do fall back asleep, that like, last hour or two before the alarm goes off feels like the only good quality sleep you get are you the person that once you fall asleep you stay asleep but you can't fall asleep you know do you look at your partner and you're so attracted to them but then the idea of actually being intimate just like makes you feel exhausted before you've even done the thing are you having any vaginal dryness are you having a lot of breast tenderness are you experiencing changes in your hair your skin your nails like these are some of the 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 kind of top level things to think about and then your mood you know do you feel pretty stable or are you just like i don't know today like you're asking me on a tuesday come back and ask me on thursday what my mood is like like are you all over the place 
do you definitely notice swings in blood sugar? Like if you don't eat every couple of hours, you're like friggin' watch out because I will, you know, take food from a child. Those kind of things, like really start to pay attention to your body and ask yourself the simple check-in every day of how am I feeling really? And then from that, I would ask you like, when is the last time that you had any blood work done, right? Getting full a full chemistry blood workup done, I think is really important. So it's not just your basic blood work that you're going to your family doctor for. And depending on where you live, there's going to be different things covered under, you know, your healthcare. So in Canada, it's OHIP. In the US, it's going to be something different state to state in different parts of the world. But understanding not just the basic, but also like a full thyroid panel, a full iron panel, a full hormone panel, looking at things like glucose markers and high sensitivity C-reactive protein for inflammation, minerals, like there's a lot of different things that we can be looking at in blood to start off with. Getting the test is part one, working with someone who actually understands functional labs and can really break it down so you understand versus, okay, I got your blood work and I'm going to give you like a B12 and a vitamin D and you're going to be great. Like that, that's actually not educating nor empowering. And then sometimes we do need to go deeper, right? Blood is great to start off with a lot. Like we do a lot of gut testing. So we're testing stool, especially for those who, you know, if there's any autoimmune condition, if there is any type of gut dysbiosis, skin issues, I mean, really the whole, the whole gamut. We're looking at what is actually going on in your individual gut and microbiome. Your neurotransmitters live here. And so if mood is an issue, energy, hormones are gonna play a big role in that. These are all chemicals. They're all talking to one another. Like there's an entire interface in your body and system. And there's a story that is unfolding every day, all day, like even as you and I are just sitting here right now, there are so many mechanisms happening behind the scenes, even just for us to stay focused on what the other person is saying right now and stay engaged in the conversation that can be challenging for people. And if that's hard, you're like brain foggy, tap in and tap out. That's a sign to pay attention to. And then we can run urine testing as well and do something like the Dutch test, which where you touch on and talk about when you're on HRT, Running a dried urinary test for comprehensive hormones is actually really important because blood is going to show us what's available at that snapshot in that moment in time. When we're running a Dutch test, it's going to give us a little more additional information, especially about your adrenals. So you talked about producing not very much cortisol. We want to see the overall production, but also how much is freely available in a 24 hour period. You know, I describe it like a bank. So it's like, you know, every day your adrenals, like they deposit cortisol into your account, but then your body actually has to manage and budget the cortisol that you have. It's going to be dependent on a lot of things in your life. But then we want to see how you actually move your hormones and any toxicants down what's called your phase one and phase two detox. So it's like first and second pass gotten liver and then we want to look at does your body have the ability to neutralize these so in like fancy terms it's called sulfation glucuronidization and methylation bind those suckers up actually get them out of the body via your poop some is going to happen through urine and sweat breath respiratory as well but majority in the fecal matter so if you if there's like any you know clogged pipes or things that aren't working well if there's any enzymes that aren't supported you know genetics can play a role in this different things we can have this unbound material that's just like freely circulating back up top it's like unattended kids just creating an internal gong show and so this is what i'm saying when when doing something like a dutch is that if you only look at it in serum and you're like, okay, I see the results, but it's not stacking up in terms of how I'm actually feeling symptom wise, sometimes you just got to go a little bit deeper, but everything is connected. So when you talk about having low testosterone, I mean, even if we back this up a little bit, and, and this is the problem, Lisa, is that, you know, I am meeting women in their thirties, forties, and fifties and educating them about the body they've been living in in decades. Like it's the first day they moved in. And, you know, as I'm listening to you, I'm like, all I, I wrote down here, God, taking care of ourselves as women is a tremendously big responsibility and it's complicated. It it's like, here's your luxury car yeah. and here's the, you know, manual to use it. And it's so thick. You're just like, holy crap. Like, where do I even start? And right. I didn't know anything about my cycles beyond, oh, I get a period. Like that was, that was pretty much it. Yeah. I didn't understand the phases. I was never educated on this. 
So it has been such, I felt, I feel like it's been such a huge learning curve mm -hmm. and I barely like scratched the surface of what's, of what's here for me. Yeah. Which is the way that majority of women yeah. ages, I would even say at this point right now, who are 20 years and older feel because the conversation has only started to be, um, you know, normal everyday conversation and accepted without shame, embarrassment, judgment, all of those things in North America in the last few years, really since the rise of social media has been there because through things like Instagram and Facebook and TikTok, people who educate and talk about this are sharing knowledge and information at such a, a speed that it's coming into our periphery and right in front of us with like, oh, I didn't know that. What are you talking about? So it is it's overwhelming for a lot of women and the thing is is that when you even start to look for the information and sometimes when it even finds you is typically when you're already in a state of crisis so you're already tired you're already overwhelmed now you feel like you're trying to learn friggin german and you know and now apply it on top of life and everything else so it is overwhelming and it 100 feels like a lot of work in the beginning and this is why you want to slow down we're, we're so used to we have just been so trained and conditioned to move fast to move with velocity intensity speed you know got it got to make it go like everything's got to be this hustle energy which is the total counterintuitive way that our body is going to learn integrate decondition and respond so it's like everything is so misaligned but then us, the like logical cerebral human gets so pissed because we're like, I don't friggin' understand. I'm working out, I'm counting my calories, I'm weighing my macros, I'm getting all the food in, I'm taking my supplements. I still feel like shit, what is going on? And it's like, well, do you actually understand why you're feeling like shit? Do you actually understand why you would be working out or the mechanisms behind that or any of that? So even like talking about our ovarian health like our period health and estrogen progesterone and testosterone like that that's a down that's a downstream impact it actually all starts for us like in our nervous system and in our brain mm -hmm. so when we talk about things like our thyroid health when we talk about the body the ovaries even getting the signal for our follicles to get stimulated and ripened for an egg to be chosen to be released all of that starts up top in the brain so if your body doesn't feel safe, if you are perpetually under stress, if it's like every day you're running from a new tiger, your body's going to down regulate things that it is like not important. Lisa doesn't need to shed uh, menstrual. We don't even need to rebuild that uterus back up this month. We have bigger things going on. If we are as young women, you know, you and I both young on the birth control pill, nobody is telling women that when you're on the birth control pill, you do not ovulate at all when you're on the pill. It shuts down that pituitary function. You are on hormone replacement therapy when you are on the birth control pill, but it is so common and normal. It is such a ubiquitous band-aid for every problem that every woman has. I have women in their fifties who come into my practice who are still on the pill because perimenopause and menopause are such uncomfortable experiences for them or because they're having heavy periods or this, that, and the other. And wow. that is that is the band-aid. It's either you go on the pill, we talk to you about an ablation, or we talk to you about a hysterectomy. Those are the three prongs. So I started on birth control when I was really young. Thank God there was no internet back then because who knows if I'd be coaching today if there was a history of my... <laughs> past life pretty open about it right but I did I started on birth control really young and I stayed on it for many years and just used it and abused it to coordinate with my vacation schedule the guy I was dating whatever I was planning <clears throat> and then after I had my kids I went off it and then back on it eventually I had an IUD put in dance with that for a little while and then I remember when I hit the stage after I had Jake and I looked at my husband and I said I'm done I'm out. I'm no longer responsible for birth control. And he was like, what do you mean? I'm like, what I mean is, you know, I was in my forties at this time. I'm like, for most of my life, I have been manipulating and abusing my body in some way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. And I need to just find my way back to my natural rhythm and cycle. And he's like, well, what does that mean? 
And I'm like, well, if you don't want another baby, (laughs) you can either get this taken care of or we're going to be using condoms like a teenager. And it really was the first time I thought about like, what made me even believe that that was all my responsibility as a woman for birth control? Like I always just took that on, never really questioning that that wasn't my role, never questioning the impact that it was going to have long-term. So now as I'm going through all these things, I've really had to sit in a place of tremendous amount of forgiveness and compassion for myself, mm-hmm. for the things that I did to myself unknowingly because I was uneducated. And there are like, I'm living the consequences now to some degree of the choices that I made in the past. So it's coming to terms with that and saying, okay, well, how can I make the next 50 years? How can I feel the best I possibly can in the next 50 years while still being able to do some of the things that I love um, that do still challenge me and push my body without trashing it anymore? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's like, there's something that, you know, when you're, when you're in it, it doesn't necessarily feel good or, uh, purposeful or, um, what's the word I'm looking for here, like empowering, but we have to understand that as we age in our bodies as women, we are going through different phases and different seasons of life where you're never, you, you should not be in your forties with the hormonal profile of the one you had in your twenties meaning you're not going to have the same level of rich, abundant, you know, estradiol being produced in your ovaries. Your testosterone production is not going to be the exact same. You, you know, in your mid forties and coming into your fifties and sometimes even earlier, you're probably starting to have a couple of anovulatory cycles where you still bleed, but you didn't actually ovulate. Therefore your progesterone was not, you know, filled back up that month. And so you can go through these swings where, you can appear like you have excess estrogen or estrogen dominance, which doesn't mean you have to have this like overabundance of estrogen that you're producing. You know, that's like a misnomer. You could have beautifully balanced estrogen, but in relationship to your progesterone, it is sitting more abundant. And so it's like, you know, it's like having a carb with your protein or like a, you know, something with your fat, it slows down and regulates your blood sugar and you hit the satiety cue. So you're not like ravenous. Estrogen and progesterone are that relationship to one another. They keep each other in check and balance. And, you know, we go through different phases in the month where we have a higher level of estrogen. Testosterone will also peak with that estrogen coming into ovulation because it's actually when we are, you know, quote unquote, searching for a partner, for a mate. That is, it doesn't matter if you don't have a desire to have children. Our physiology is designed for those cues. Your pheromones change, the way your body smells, your cervical mucus changes. Like you actually have channels in your cervical mucus to pull sperm up into your body so that your body can actually work at fertilizing from the egg and the sperm and creating a zygote and then growing a child inside of your body. Like all this happens by design in our bodies. When our bodies feel safe and well, and you know, everything is is functioning in a healthful manner. When we talk about things like testosterone and you shared, you know, your testosterone was sitting so low, there are different things that happen in our life and in our nervous system and our environment that are going to literally consume and eat up some of those hormones. So if we have really elevated cortisol, that cortisol is very catabolic. You know this from your lifting days, catabolic, like wearing, tearing, breaking things down we want to try to be pro anabolic, you know, in supporting our health and our body, which is also why for us as women holding on to as much muscle as possible and continuing to build muscle is part of our longevity formula, because when we are contracting those muscles, there is actually an endocrine response that happens. So if our actual reproductive glands, our ovaries are starting to slow down production, the signaling and the hormones from the brain, you know, going on down are also moving in the direction of essentially retirement. We have to be, you know, moving our lifestyle and our bodies in a way that we are supporting that moving forward. And it's not just about having a great ass and a flat stomach for the rest of our life. And this is the thing is we're so over-focused on shaping our body that we are not focused on shaping the the human and the woman that we are and our health, right? I like agree. it's, 
so there's there's a lot of and I was like a lot of different information and direction there but you know it's so challenging because as women the message is you want to support testosterone go lift heavy stuff and do I it lift all heavy stuff all the time and my right. testosterone I was like I'm like how can this be possible do you know how much I can squat because it is one of many variables and yeah. here's the thing and if you start to you know those of you listening if you begin to actually dive into really solid science for muscle and muscle building that's actually a misnomer when you look at a lot of the research in the studies um and we do know that muscle fibers respond differently and, and actually the the whole skeletal system as a woman versus a man and that's not just hormone related it's literally also what's happening within the muscle fibers but that whole thing, the only way that we can build muscle is by working to a heavy load, like five to seven reps is actually not true. There has been numerous studies and there are incredible, you know, PhDs out there who are bringing this to the surface that you could literally take that same movement compound or not and take it to a 30 rep range and, and create the same actual energy and muscle output and outcome. It is really about moving to fatigue and to the point where you can't perform another rep with good quality form. So if you have somebody that it is not in a supported state, you know, they're not sleeping well, nervous system is a mess, adrenals aren't doing well, they've got inflammation coming out the wazoo and they keep going in with the mentality, I gotta pick up the heavy stuff every time, you know, and do that when it's like, no, like what if you could actually go in and spend 15 minutes while you're in this recovery period for your body, moving and applying different principles. So I think it's, you know, what we do in society is like, we hear one thing, we take it as the gospel, because that's always been, been what it's been forever. And that's come from like, you know, the Weeder days, the Arnold days, the, all of that. Um, yeah, I think we just, we have to be open. We have to be open to recognizing there are many different roads that can be traveled to reach the same destination. What's become really apparent for me in my lifting, because it's still something that's so important for me, like I just I love it, um, but really advocating for myself with my coach as well. Mm -hmm. And I, when I was in Tulum and I saw her, she said to me, you know, you are one of my few clients who really takes a true deload week, which means I don't go to the gym for a week. Like I'm off, not let's lower the reps. Let's do less. I'm like, peace out. I'm going to just rest. My body needs that. Yeah. But so many women who are hardwired the way that you and I are this drive for excellence and more, there's this belief like that they get something out of pushing through mm -hmm. and that they're letting themselves down. If they say they need a break or they say they need to back off, or if they don't get themselves out of the bed, out of bed to go to the gym. And as much as I always want to keep the promises I make to myself, self-integrity is important, but integrity to my health first. Mm -hmm. It's not exactly. about that one particular lifting session. It's what am I going for here long-term? How am I setting my health up for long-term so that I can ride the camel when I'm 80, so I can climb the Great Wall of China when I'm 90? Yeah. It's not, I'm, I'm not working out for my health today. I'm working out for my health in the future. And I think so often we forget that. And a lot of women who are constantly pushing in the gym and feel like they can't take a break, that's actually contributing to their health going the wrong way. So they feel oh, like they're right. Like we, I, we need to work out. We need to move, not recognizing that stress on the body that the body might not be able to handle right now. You are in that environment. You are completely creating diminishing returns. You, you would have been like, okay, today's a great example. So um, yesterday was a, was a fuller day for me on my calendar and today's a fuller day. And I couldn't even tell you the last time that I had two days of like fullness where it wasn't the original intention, but things just kind of came in. And also my son this morning, he is on the ice at 530 in the morning on Tuesdays and he gets up at 4.30 and feeds himself and that, all good. Well, this morning, for whatever reason, he just decided to blast through our door like Kramer at 4.46 and be like, hey guys, I'm up. And like, we don't, he's part of a carpool. We don't have to drive him. And I was like, great, now I'm up too. And I wasn't able to go back to sleep. And I'm teaching a live event tonight. I won't get home until 9.30 or 10. Not ideal, 
my body was not prepared for that. It didn't get the memo yesterday. Take care of yourself today because tomorrow, you know, it's going to be a long day. And I had scheduled in my training this morning, a heavier lifting day. I did not do the training session. I went outside for like a ridiculously slow paced walk because that is going to be 10 times more nourishing than had I applied the pressure to my body to go and to do those training sessions. And so you know, you just, you have, you learn this over time and it's like our body always knows. And when we say, well, I don't know, or we do that thing where we second guess, like just trust her. Yeah. Your body does always know, and we can trust ourselves to make those decisions. You just yeah. have to override the stories you're telling yourself about what that making that decision means. Which is hard. And it is, and it is, as you said, like it's I was talking to one of my clients about this earlier today. And, you know, she's like, oh, God, like she goes, I thought I did the work. Like, when is it ever going to end? And I'm like, never like right. our deconditioning some of those really strong habits and patterns, especially if that is how if that's how you built your your whole life. That's right. Like that is, you know, you are it's continual work and you're going to feel like I said, when you start to feel yourself moving back that way. You just it course correct don't get down on yourself don't shame yourself don't like throw the towel in just be like okay thank you human right yeah so i know you're busy i know we've been chatting for a little while do you have a few more minutes yeah okay can you talk a little bit about natural hormone replacement therapy so things like yam uh ashwagandha all that kind of stuff versus um hrt so I think the HRT has gotten a little bit of a bad rap because for a while there were, you know, there was, I, I was even very, very nervous because I don't like to put things in my body. Mm -hmm. uh, I was really, really nervous about going on HRT because I was like, is this a chemical? What am I doing? Like, how is this going to impact me? Is it going to give me breast cancer? Mm -hmm. Like legit, these things are floating around. So how does somebody make a decision? Obviously working with a practitioner, but what are things they need to consider whether they're going to like fill themselves with, you know, wild yam and ashwagandha and maca versus moving into something like HRT. Well, it really, it actually really does depend on the individual and at what point in the journey that they're at. And, you know, what's important to understand about HRT and a lot of the research that was done, I mean, there were literally research papers that were studied as part of the Women's Health Initiative, where there were actually very few women that were part of the study that was actually published and put out into the world, which we've only been included in medical research since like the mid 90s as women, majority of anything before that was run on men. And even when they did do the studies on this, um, if you actually go back and look at the studies with the information and data donet, um, data known now, um, there were a lot of conclusions drawn from this that did create a lot of fear around specifically breast cancer, okay, was, was the main fear. Now, that being said, the things you talk about like maca and ashwagandha and adaptogenic type support or like wild yam, vitex, those things, which would be more like on the botanical side of things that are going to be like naturally derived, um, you know, sources that can support. So we'll use things like vitex to support pituitary function. So that is going to be like for maybe in the beginning for a woman. And these aren't typically things that are happening late forties and into fifties, because when your hormones have slowed down to that point where ovulation isn't happening regularly anymore, like the ovaries are like, we, we are, we've served you for the last X amount of decades. Like it is time for us to move on out. This is why your gut liver and adrenal health is so important. My friends and taking care of your thyroid. Cause when those ovaries are like, bye-bye, it is all up to all of these other organs and viscera in your body to step in and to take over. This is also why it's important to have the muscle on your body and to not dismiss when you are friggin' exhausted and to boundary up in areas in your life. Because no amount of yam, ashwagandha, maca, vitex, any of those things is, is going to fix that. In the same regard, hormone replacement therapy, it is not like, listen, it's not, it is nuanced because it depends on the person. So here's what I would say to you listening. You need to work with a practitioner. Don't ever let anybody put you on HRT. That's just literally like over the counter randomized dosing. You want to get blood work done. 
how do you know what you are supporting with whether it's HRT or bioidentical HRT and the difference, meaning bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, you're going to be getting through a compounding pharmacy. It is going to have different, um, the ingredient compounds are different than HRT. Okay. So you do want to work with somebody who actually understands this and listen, you get to interview your practitioner just because someone has a license doesn't mean they understand this fully. So you get to actually go deeper and asking them that. So you want to make sure that they do proper testing and understand where your levels are at. And it should be a slow and low thing where they put you on a certain amount. How are you doing? How are you feeling? Let's kind of watch, wait and see things are going well, or maybe you need a little bit more. We do something called titrate. We titrate up, we go up a little bit more. How are you doing? You know, a lot of women I've worked with, they'll come to me and say, well, I was put on progesterone because my, you know, doctor or my practitioner thought I was on progesterone. And I literally gained like 10 pounds in a couple of days, was retaining all this water, boobs were so sore. Sometimes bringing in a little bit of one can be helpful, but if we're dealing with, you know, core three, all low estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, we really do want to be looking at how to support the full picture of hormones. This is also going to depend on where you live in the world. We live in Canada. Some of these hormones you cannot get in Canada. Like you can't go in Canada and get a prescription for DHEA. No. In the US, you could literally go in and buy this over the counter like you're picking up, you know, Tic Tacs. So what is available is also very different. So I think the most important thing is make sure you're working with a practitioner and you're getting some good quality blood work or testing done to know your starting point. And you have to start to understand and know your own body, ladies. You got to know what normal feels like for you versus not normal. So that when you start to put things in your body, you know, like how you know HRT is working for you is you are like, oh my God like I'm sleeping again. I don't have the hot flashes. My mood is more manageable. My vaginal dryness is no longer there. I don't have pain during intercourse anymore. I just like feel like I am actually coming back. I recognize myself again. My hair is feeling better. My cravings aren't through the roof. You know, maybe I'm not like losing weight on HRT, but I'm not gaining it anymore like I was when I was struggling before I had them in. I actually have motivation. I'm no longer apathetic. Like one of the big things for women when the hormones and they are literally lying on the floor, like nervous system as well as they're just like, I don't give a shit. Like they, it's, it, you go from this hyper speed of anxiousness and trying to control everything to being so apathetic and just like, whatever, I, I literally don't care anymore. That was me. I was so apathetic and I am someone who loves life. You know, I'd slowed down. I built this career that I love and this business. And I was just like, I got nothing to say. So other than my family, my clients, and the the bare minimum I needed to do in my business, that's what I was operating from. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I just didn't get it. So all those, you know, when I went on the bioidentical hormones, all of that shifted. And that's exactly what we did with my practitioner. It was a little of this, a little of that. How do you yep. feel? Um, you know, got and, on you know I'll share something on that as well too, Lisa. So I'm 43. I still have a regular cycle. Um, I'm not at a place where I need bioidentical hormones right now, but I I'm working with my practitioner and I do the testing every year so that we can, I'm the kind of person. And again, in my training, I want to get in front of what is coming. I don't want it to hit me upside the head. And so it's why I do regular testing on myself. And I work with a practitioner, and even though like, this is what I do every single day having somebody's eyes outside of your vessel that is your body for perspective is very powerful and so i'm fully prepared to bring some of those things into my body if that's what my body needs in the meantime while i'm on that journey because perimenopause is a journey i am doing the things i need to do which is not just about supplements and adaptogens and that it is it's my life like literally asking myself every day Am I living in alignment with how I say I want to live, feel, be, do? That, all of that, right? There's just so many layers to this. So I think the bottom line here for everybody who follows me and for all the people that are going to run over and follow you, it's really, this is a time for women to really start tuning into their bodies and paying attention mm-hmm. instead of just dismissing things. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't start listening to the symptoms, eventually, you'll get hit with a two by four, <laughs> you'll be forced right. to like, yes. you have to pay attention. Yeah. And, you know, taking that proactive 
way of staying on top of it now, like making this part of how you prioritize yourself and how you prioritize yourself. Because, you know, we just weren't taught to prioritize our hormonal health. We weren't taught to prioritize ourselves, periods as women. This yeah. is just something new. So I appreciate this conversation so much. I love talking with people that are super smart and geeking <laughs> out in their zone of genius. I just, I love watching people talk about what they do with so much passion. Like it really, really inspires me. And I'm just so glad that I feel inspired again these days because for yeah. a while there, I was like, I think 2020 and 2021 and part of 2022 just about killed me. Like it, it was, those were tough years. That's just the bottom line, right? I'm getting the lessons that I need to get. You're getting your lessons, but here we are out in the world still, you know, serving the people that we need to serve. So where can everybody come find you, Jen, if they want to follow you? I know your Instagram stories are like crackers. Really thank good. you. I think well, you're on I think, TikTok. I'm not on TikTok. I am I not on TikTok. Oh, I pretty much can tell you. you, I don't think I will ever be on TikTok for many reasons. Um, yep. but honestly, like one thing, just pick one freaking thing. Like I can only be, I, I just can't, um, it, and shaking my ass is just not going to be my thing that I'm going to be doing. You know what? I, I really challenge the people who are listening to me to unplug and do like, it's all about doing less. We don't need more social media. We need to get into our lives. We need to start tuning into our own bodies and every social media platform becomes another distraction away from ourselves. And this is and why for me, I'm out of integrity. If I'm on a million social platforms. Oh yeah. And well, yeah. I just notice it as well too, where I'm only on one. I don't even have Facebook on my phone. Like, and I run a company where we have groups in there, but they're, they live on my Mac, like where, when yeah, I'm dialed into work, then I tune it. So on my phone, all I have is Instagram, mainly for a story. And even that, I I mean, it happens to all of us, but the rabbit hole you can fall down. And I'm like, where did 47 minutes of my life just go? And you think of like all the things that you could have done or not been doing. Like, you know, I'm one for lying on the floor. I could have been lying on the ground for 47 minutes and that probably would have felt better than, you know, right. going over here. But I just do want, I want to say thank you because I really do enjoy, same thing. I love having higher level conversations. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a difference between having a conversation and being interviewed. And I really love the conversations. Yeah. So thank you for that. And so on Instagram, I'm Jen with two N. So it's at Jen Pike. I also do have the audacious woman where I support um, practitioners in business at really, you know, designing a life and a business you love without crushing yourself in the process. And then I have my own podcast, The Simplicity Sessions, and then my website, jenpike.com. So pretty much just my name. Easy to find. And I will link everything up in the show notes. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day because it sounds like you got a full one. Uh, I appreciate it. Motivated me for my talk tonight. <laughs> right. I appreciate you sharing all of this because it it needs to get out in the world. And like I said, I'd rather have my people listening than on TikTok, trying to find snippets of stuff and then go follow the experts who can guide you in the right direction. So if you guys want to learn more about Jen, please make sure you go and check her out on her social platforms. And who knows, maybe you're even going to be hiring her because you realize that your <laughs> shit is not in order. Thank you so much, Jen. It's been Thank such you. a pleasure and we will connect again soon. Thanks. And I will see everybody else on the next episode.